Welcome to Lady in the Couch, a podcast about mental health and well-being, relationships, and topics specifically related to women. I am your host, Autumn Collier, a licensed psychotherapist in Atlanta, Georgia. Let's have a seat on the couch. Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for being here today. We are excited to have our guest, Michelle Goodlow, here to talk about self-care. A nice introduction about Michelle. Michelle Goodlow is a licensed clinical social worker, private practice therapist, and workshop facilitator dedicated to helping others develop healthy relationships with themselves and with others. With a professional background in providing clinical interventions, compassion-based services, and statewide advocacy, the focus of Michelle's career has been to develop and institute accessible and resourceful avenues of support through her agencies, The Essence of Healing LLC, and gmichelle.com. Michelle is the owner and psychotherapist with The Essence of Healing LLC, a private therapeutic practice based in Atlanta, Georgia, and the creator of the wellness resource website, gmichelle.com. gmichelle.com offers busy, caring professionals the opportunity to make self-care a practical part of their lives. Michelle facilitates interactive workshops for nonprofit and private organizations that experience challenges with addressing self-care, compassion fatigue, and professional burnout. Thank you so much for being here, Michelle. What a wonderful bio and great information about all the work you're doing. Thank you for joining us on the couch today. It is my pleasure. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, excited to have you. So let's just kind of jump into it. So tell us about the work you do and who you work with. Yeah, so I'm a licensed clinical social worker in the state of Georgia and Illinois. And through my private practice, The Essence of Healing, LLC, I see folks virtually for individual and couple therapy. In addition to my work in psychotherapy and in private practice, I host a wellness space called gmichelle.com, where I focus all on talking about self-care and making it accessible and encouraging helpers in particular mm-hmm. to practice self-care. So those are the two spaces where I really put the most energy in professionally. Awesome. So yeah, and, and that leads right into what we're talking about today. Today, we are talking about self-care and kind of what that is, all things self-care. So you are the perfect person for today. We really want to dive in and talk about that word. So over the last few years, we've heard that term more and more, self-care, self-care, self-care. You see it all over social media. Don't forget to do your self-care, sis. Okay. So, you know, you, <laughs> you hear all that and it's great. It is absolutely wonderful. Let's really break down what is self-care because sometimes we say it so much, it just becomes a thing to say without us really practicing self-care. So what is self-care? Yeah. I'm so glad you mentioned that too, because self-care has in essence become kind of trendy. Yes. You know, especially as we see it. And in a lot of ways, that's a good thing. It's Mm -hmm. great that we're talking about creating space for wellness, but at the same time, I think self-care can be misconstrued with a lot of other things. So there's two ways that I like to look at it. The first is a really big, broad definition of self-care. And this is one that I just connect to the most, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of definitions. Sure. Self-care is doing what you need to do to show up as the best version of yourself. Mm. I see self-care as a series of practices that help you show up as your best self the best version of yourself, the the version of yourself you feel the most proud of, Mm -hmm. right? 
But then if you can narrow that down a little bit, because that's really big concept to kind of take hold of. Yeah. I really appreciate the definition of a self-care practice, mm. which is the routine act of identifying and addressing your needs on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. So kind of taking this big concept of what does it mean to show up as your best self? When you figured out some practices that help you do that, doing those practices routinely and recognizing that as human beings, we grow and change. Mm-hmm. So we need to make sure we're identifying and addressing our different needs on that regular basis, that we're practicing doing that. Nice. That is a wonderful definition. Self-care is doing whatever we need to do to show up as our best selves, whatever practices Mm -hmm. we need to do. Beautiful, wonderful, very simple. That's very simple. And it makes a lot of sense, you know, when you put it that way, sometimes self-care or the idea of self-care might be overwhelming to some or seem Mm -hmm. difficult or like, well, I'll never be able to do that. So I can't do it, you know? So, okay. So tell us why self-care is important. Yeah. How Mm -hmm. much time do we have? I know, right? (laughs) Self-care is essential for all of us, especially us working folk, especially people who identify as female, who are in professional roles, personal roles, where a lot of your energy is going outward. Mm -hmm. Self-care, a lot of our self-care needs, especially for professionals, is what are you doing to replenish yourself? What are you doing to restore yourself? Because again, for almost all of us, every day there is energy going out. So one way to look at self-care, if you're thinking of, okay, well, what does it mean for me to show up as my best self? Well, what does it look like when you are recharged? A thing I love to ask my clients is, when was the last time you got a full night's rest? Right. Like, when was the last time? And then tell me about the next day. Did you notice any differences? So one way to look at self-care in terms of why it's important is we literally need space and time to recharge our bodies. And because of the world that we live in today, there's been a lot, there's a lot of shortcuts to that. Yeah. Yeah. There's been less of an emphasis on that. I mean, we can name a lot of systems that even contribute to this kind of toxic hustle culture right? Um, right. and this need to be and feel productive. Mm-hmm. So self-care is, is this idea of not only doing what you need to do to take care of yourself, but embracing radical rest as part of your life as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I think you just hit on a lot there. And I think the amount of sleep we need is definitely underestimated. Being sleep deprived weighs on our mood significantly. And a lot of folks don't realize that. So you even asking your clients, you know, when's the last time you got a full night's sleep? I think that is, could be life-changing for some, just to even get oh, a good yeah. night's rest. Yeah. And I always like to say, self-care does not have to be complicated mm-hmm. for it to be helpful. And again, because self-care has become trendy and, and even marketable in a lot of kind of, um, consumer-based businesses, right? sometimes we have to streamline that and remember what the core of it is. If showing up as your best self means getting a full night's rest, making sure you're eating three times a day and getting your nutrients and drinking enough water, that's okay if that's your self-care. Yeah. It's doing what you need to do, you know, and meeting our basic needs are some of the most practical ways to show up as our best self. So it doesn't have to be complicated. You're absolutely right. That is so practical. Thank you for saying that, Michelle, because we do think it has to be this thing or that self-care now has to be an additional five to seven steps on top of what we're already doing, which is overwhelming. So then you do nothing. So yeah. So thank you for saying that and for just making it simple. It's my pleasure. 
Yes, yes. So tell us the difference between, because sometimes we can get confused or we misconstrue. Tell us the difference between pampering and self-care and can they be the same thing? Yes, yes. Love this question. So again, coming back to those core definitions of self-care, pampering is a part of self-care. And of course, when we think about pampering, I think of like treating yourself in, in a lot of different ways, celebrating yourself, pouring into yourself in luxurious ways, right? Yes, that is definitely a part of self-care. What's tricky is sometimes it's misconstrued that pampering is the only way to practice self-care. Mm-hmm. And I do disagree with that. I think it's one part. But if we can kind of look generally, because again, there's a lot of different aspects of what does it mean to take care of yourself. Right. Self-care can be spiritual, mm. physical. It can be part of your mental or emotional health. Self-care also has to do with intellectual self-care, taking care of your ability to learn, right? right, And engage that way. Also, we have professional self-care. We have boundaries. And not to mention financial self-care. The ability to have that financial stability, Mm -hmm. right? And and those things like that. So there's a lot of different facets to self-care, a lot of different types, in addition to social self-care. That's one that slips. So pampering is a part of it. But again, when I kind of come back to the work that I do in my workshops and clients, I like to kind of assess how are you taking care of yourself? Mm -hmm. Let's actually look at some of the spots that's missing. It sounds like you're on top of your massages, (laughs) you know, you've been loving getting your manicures and pedicures. That's awesome. Yeah. That's one part. But tell me about your emotional health. How Mm -hmm. are you working on your anxiety? Right. You told me that you have a spiritual connection. Well, what does it look like when you're putting energy into that? Right. Right. Your relationship with your friends is really stressful, right? It sounds like it needs some social self-care. We need to look into that. Mm -hmm. So overall self-care is more well-rounded in terms of addressing the multiple facets of who we are and the different types. And pampering is just one part. I actually consider pampering personal self-care, which is what you do to take care of your relationship with yourself. Right, right. Wow, that makes perfect sense. And it sounds like the way you just described it, just kind of compartmentalizing in a sense as well, mm-hmm. it makes it more, again, it makes it less overwhelming so that you can see, okay, I, I maybe can target this area or that area. And it also gives permission, you know, allows us to be okay with getting pampered, which mm-hmm. is nice as well to enjoy that. So oh, that yeah. personal self-care. And it sounds like, so then with self-care, or at least the way you described it, which I think is beautiful, it is looking at the total person kind of like a holistic perspective, the total person and looking at the different areas in their lives. And ultimately, are they living their best life based on these different areas in their lives? Just looking at them holistically. I I think that is wonderful. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So so what are some of the, when you talk to your clients or individuals who do workshops about self-care and encourage them to do self-care, what are some of the things you hear, some of the barriers they may throw out as to why they are not doing it or as to why they can't or cannot continuously do it? So there's two that come to mind that I hear the most often. And the first, which I say is the one I hear the most often, is mm-hmm. folks are feeling really guilty mm-hmm. for creating space to take care of their self-care. What I hear in my workshops is, and the second one, and I'll say the second one to connect with the first, the second sure. is, I don't have time. I don't have time. I can't make time. What do you mean? This can't fit into my schedule. I'm too busy, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes the guilt and the lack of time go hand in hand. Sure. And so when addressing this in, in different spaces, whether it be individually or in a workshop, I love to take a step back 
Because again, we're a lot of us are forward thinkers. We want to immediately have these results, have that instant gratification. And I'm like, okay, well, that's the first thing you got to have some acceptance around is yeah. it may take some time to figure out how to actually do this, right? So let's, let's kind of start building there. And I like to really get kind of curious. I say, let's, let's kind of investigate together what's going on. So you're telling me you're feeling guilty. Well, first of all, what does that mean? Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about that guilt, right? A lot of us mental health folks love to explore these different terms, right? Right, right. And for a lot of folks, they feel like, oh, I should be doing something else. Taking time for myself doesn't feel right. Mm -hmm. And especially if you're in any kind of profession that requires direct service or requires you to be present for other people, if you're a parent or a caregiver, Mm -hmm. right? Oh, I really should be doing this for my kids when I have extra time. I'm like, cool. I mean, that's important for us to recognize those pieces. Sure. Okay. Now let me throw this scenario at you. Let's say something happens where you actually cannot show up for anybody for 24 hours. Just let's say something happens. We can fill in the blank of what that looks like, but what if something happens? Tell me what do you think would occur? Say you're in bed. There's no way you can get up. You have to stay in that bed for 24 hours. Right. And a lot of things come up for folks when we say that, because either that's happened before or they know somebody where that's happened. And it was like, oh, my gosh, my family didn't know what to do. Right. My job didn't know what to do or my job was already looking to replace somebody else, replace me with somebody else. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we sit with those consequences for a second. Right. It sounds like you're really essential to the people in your life and your job or you're replaceable. And that's a whole nother topic. Sure. Okay. <laughs> but for the folks where we, they identify that, man, my family really needs me. My job really needs me. It sounds like you actually do need to take care of yourself to do the things that are so important to you. Right. So what if, and it's a big if, what if we rewrite this narrative around self-care? Mm-hmm. Right. What if instead of I feel guilty for practicing self-care and taking time away, what if your self-care is too important for you to not do? Right. So you can show up for those people in those spaces that are so important. When you're able to show up as your best self, right. do you feel like you do a better job at work? Do you feel like you're more present for your kids? Hey, it sounds like we might need to rewrite this narrative mm-hmm. around self-care. And again, and that's the next part of it, is also try not to complicate it. Right. Let's really focus on what are the things that you need and what practices help you get there. Now let's talk about consistency because that's probably the third thing that yeah. I hear is I'm not doing it consistently. Right, right. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. And that guilt really weighs on some folks so much so that they just neglect themselves and just keep moving and keep moving. So you said a couple of things I wanted to go back and touch on. I call it the one and done. You know, when I talk to clients and encourage them to do some type of self-care activity, whatever that looks like for them. And I tell them, you know, it's not a one and done. It's not a, you know, we do it and I magically better, feel better, and this and that and the other. It takes time. So really having folks understand that it is a progression and not a one-time thing and not to give up on it. If after trying your self-care activity for a week or a couple of days, it does not significantly improve life, don't give up on it. It takes time. Absolutely. Yeah. And also the idea of, you mentioned constant movement. Yes. In today's world, we are constantly moving to where some folks feel, if I'm not doing something, if I'm not working on something or creating something, then I'm lazy or, or I'm getting behind or I'm not doing anything with myself. That whole concept, how is that negatively impacting how we show up and how we feel? 
when I think about how folks are constantly moving and constantly being stimulated, yeah, and I'm even going to add this in there, constantly feeling pressured yes. to do, to do, to produce, it's kind of like a one-way ticket to burnout. And because of that, we're using burnout as our sign to rest, right? right. And again, having these moments of really reflecting with folks on tell me a little bit more about what this experience is like for you and why self-care hasn't been a part of your life. Well, we're not having any type of stress management mm-hmm. kind of skills in place. We're constantly feeling the need to produce, 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 and we're having guilt around rest. Rest has been some kind of villain right. in this story of our lives, right? right? And so, again, with the rewriting the narratives around taking care of yourself, it's also recognizing are you minimizing, denying, or ignoring when your body is telling you it needs rest? Tell me what's going on, you know? And again, a lot of us are in that shift. I really talk to a lot of helpers, mm-hmm. whether it's professional helpers in different helping roles or personal helpers, like mm-hmm. caregivers, strong friends. Yeah. And when we look into kind of their patterns and their routines, It's incredible how burnout has become the catalyst, completely shutting down or exploding, right? Because everybody's experience of burnout is different. And that is the sign that they need to rest. And so I ask, again, we got to be curious about this. Would you like an opportunity not to get there? Right. That you don't want that to be the catalyst for it. I always poke fun that, I think it was Drake, the rapper Drake has a song. (laughs) That, and the lyric is like, he goes from zero to a hundred real quick. Right, right. And I'm like, Drake, come on, friend. <laughs> That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. There's always a buildup. You got to go yes. from one to two. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how a lot of us are looking at burnout. It's that right. we're just going from this period of neutrality right. to burnout. And it's like, wait a minute, but what does it look like when your body goes from one to a five right. in terms of stress? A one to a 10. That's another skill, really, that is, can be a part of our self-care practice. Absolutely. It's just recognizing the first signs of stress and managing stress or any type of strong or heavy feeling when it's in a more manageable state, not when it's at that maximum, that 60, if you Yes, will. yes, absolutely. No, I think you're absolutely right. So tell us, I guess, what that may look like mm-hmm. from a practical standpoint, what that client might look like who is experiencing burnout. So maybe even give us the progression, mm-hmm. maybe like that, kind of like mm-hmm. you said, before they go from zero to 100, there are increments as their stress was steadily increasing before they reach that 100, which we'll say the 100 is burnout, like they're tapping yes. out. So what does that look like in terms of behaviors before they get to that 100 and once they reach 100? Absolutely. So how I like to explain this is first, there's a a stressor that enters your life. A mm-hmm. stressor comes. They come in all kinds of different shapes and sizes. My favorite to explain is kind of like, oh my gosh, I'm running late for something. Yeah. I thought I was going to be on time. Something happened. The baby was crying. My commute was bad. My computer was down. The internet was down. Something happens when you're running late. So that's mm-hmm. the stressor. Something happens where your body actually gives off a signal that you're feeling stress. Right? Right. All of our bodies do different things. Sometimes we get really hot, our hands get clammy, we may start having a headache, right? Our body is giving off a signal. Well, when we notice in those small increments, that's where we can notice and actually intervene when our body is showing those smaller signs of stress. Here, what usually happens for the folks who are on their path, the one-way ticket to burnout, we ignore those signals. 
We mm. ignore those signals. We don't recognize how our body is communicating with us. And so we persevere anyway without addressing those stressful feelings. Mm-hmm. And so there's so many metaphors to describe how stress enters our body. Right. But I love the simple one of just stress bubbling up and building up. Mm-hmm. Like stress is in a, in, a, in a bucket and it's hot and it's yes. building up. Yep. So now we got the bubbles at the bottom. They're building. Because that stressor has not been addressed and we're only at the beginning of the day, we're, we're, there's new stressors that continue to yep. enter. So that stress is only increasing, right? Because if we're looking at how we've been not really handling it, right? our body has been giving off signals. We're ignoring those signals. We're denying them. We're ignoring them. Or we're covering them up, mm-hmm. right? Okay, well, what if I just get a couple of glasses of coffee and, and I stay caffeinated? Okay, right. well, now we're just caffeinated at stress. Yeah. Right? So we may reach, and we're just thinking about this in one day. Let's say three additional stressors have now entered your life. Mm-hmm. You've got a deadline you forgot about. You notice your supervisor's mad at you. Oh my gosh, there's a parent-teacher conference and you don't know what the conference is about for your child. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, now we've got three different stressors. Your stress has now increased. Right. By the time you get home at the end of the day, you're exhausted. Yeah. You're either physically exhausted, you're emotionally exhausted. And this is where we can see different ways of folks who, comp- who are feeling burnt out. Mm-hmm. Again, this is over a period of a day. Sure. So typically, there's more time. Of course. But either you find that you explode on your spouse or your partner because you've reached your breaking point, or you feel completely numb, yeah. right, to what's going on, right? And it's hard for you to stay focused and to stay present, right? That's what burnout can look like when we yeah. don't address those stressors, right? It just keeps building. And the thing about stress, Mm-hmm. And stress is going to be around, y'all. I always like to say, if I could bippity-boppity-boo it out of here, I would, right. I would fairy godmother it up. <laughs> Absolutely. But since I don't, right, I don't have those abilities, yep. we have to accept that we are going to experience stress. So it's not stress that's the villain in the story. Right. It's how we handle it. It's how we manage it. Absolutely. Yeah. Perfect example. Thank you. I can, I'm getting the visualization as I think what you just said is so common and it happens so frequent. And part of the key is really being able to acknowledge our stress levels as they go up and where we're at, how full our bucket is. I think that's the important part because like you said, stress isn't going anywhere. It is here Mm -hmm. to stay. Yeah. And the way you spoke about stress, that's pretty much almost exactly how I speak about it with my clients as well. We talk about it from an emotional bucket standpoint. We all have a bucket of emotions and daily drops of emotions fall into that bucket, whether it's shame, fear, hurt, sadness, you know, and we're just looking at more so the the troubling emotions or emotions that make us feel, Mm -hmm. you know, low, but every day they fall in the bucket. So ideally we want to keep our bucket to about no more than 20% capacity. I would say is pretty practical. Once our bucket Mm -hmm. hits at least 40, 50, we really need to be turning the spigot on to release those extra things. And once it's at about yes. 75, 80% capacity, somebody's going to get it. Somebody's, somebody's mm-hmm. going to pop off on somebody. So we never want mm-hmm. our bucket to get full to that extent. Either yeah. we're popping off or, or we're disappearing and not showing up, as you said. So yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Because whenever we talk about these risk factors, we have to talk about the protective factors of just some of the things that somebody's listening and going, oh, shoot, that's me. Right. That's me. I don't even notice the stress when it's there. Mm-hmm. My strongest recommendation is just building your awareness. Yeah. Starting there. 
What does it mean for you to feel stressed? And how do you know? How do you know you're feeling stressed? What happens? The more obvious you can get, the better. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I've seen some people say, because we always talk about triggers with our clients, we always identify triggers. We do self-care plans so that they can have a plan of ways to help de-escalate, help themselves until they start to improve in certain areas. But we talk about triggers. How do you know, or how can you tell when it's going to be one of those days or it's going to hit the fan? And we really try to get specific. Like, like you said, some folks even say, well, the night before I was grinding my teeth really, really bad and I woke up with a headache. So that's letting me know my teeth grinding is letting me know that my stress has increased or my muscle tension in my neck and in my shoulders. I'm holding stress and tension and that is letting me know that it's building up. So it could be something really, it could be a physical warning or trigger that even lets you know that your stress is up um, and not just some of the social or behavioral ones. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. Because our body is talking to us all the time. All the time. All the Mm -hmm. time. So good stuff about burnout. So what do you tell in addition to what all you said, like knowing the risk factors and being aware of where you're at, what do you tell that individual who is like, you know what, like, let's say they're a professional, working professional, helping professional. I'm tired. My job, I've just kind of had enough. I'm like, tomorrow I may just walk in and then walk out. So what do you tell that person who, who is just at their wits end with their burnout? The first thing I would want to ask is what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. Like if there are no consequences, if you didn't have to think about all of the things that happen after step one, what is it that you want to do? Okay, now what's the first step of doing that? And sometimes it is having a discussion that requires a life change. Right. Because part of self-care, again, coming back to that definition of a self-care practice, is routinely identifying and addressing your needs on a regular basis. And all the self-care in the world can't change your professional work environment. Right, right. So maybe sometimes when we look at what your needs are and what practices come up, we can look at, well, what is your environment like, right? Are you trying to function in an environment that actually is not helping you thrive, right? right? Or is not healthy? Then maybe we need to actually talk about life changes or life transitions. That could mean looking for another job. Mm-hmm. That could mean ending an unhealthy relationship. That could mean seeking professional help right. because that's what you need. Right. You've got to do what you got to do to Absolutely. be your best self. And it's okay to take that next step if you believe it's necessary or if you've been trying to engage in self-care practices, but you're not seeing the changes that you need, mm-hmm. right? A bigger change may be needed. Absolutely. And what if that person is doing their self-care activities, they're trying week in, week out, and they still are not feeling as great as they would like to feel? What advice would you give them or how would you work with them? Yeah. I, again, love to put my investigator hat on. Have you ever felt like you were at a place of joy, satisfaction, peacefulness? Has that ever been a part of your life? Okay. What was going on during that time? Mm -hmm. Right. Now compare that to now. What's different? Right. Right. And sometimes the answer is no, Michelle, I've never felt like I've had an extended period of joy or peacefulness or satisfaction. Then again, I return to, okay, maybe a bigger change is needed. Let's Mm -hmm. look at your environment. Let's look at your systems that you're putting energy into. What's been draining? And Mm -hmm. what would you like to change about? Because it's up to you what you'd like to do. But again, sometimes we got to talk about making those bigger shifts. And that's not easy. Absolutely. It's not easy. But we want to identify those sources. So we're not just 
filling up a bucket that has holes in it. Absolutely. Yeah. So can self-care, the idea of self-care, doing self-care activities, can that transcend across, regardless of socioeconomic status, regardless of relationship status, professional status, educational status, can it transcend across all of those things or can only certain populations indulge in self-care? I love this question because it has a lot of different answers. Mm -hmm. My biggest answer is yes. Mm -hmm. At least the way that I talk about and advocate for self-care, self-care should be accessible for all people. Mm-hmm. All people, no matter what your background is or how you identify or what you're going through, because the self-care practices, and this is just strictly my opinion, sure. that matter the most aren't the ones that are incredibly expensive mm-hmm. or incredibly time consuming. The self-care practices that a lot of us need have to do with getting our basic needs met, mm-hmm. right? Finding ways, practical ways that are accessible to manage stress, anxiety, and depressive feelings, right? Right trying our absolute best to set and maintain boundaries to protect ourselves. Mm -hmm. Those type of self-care practices are the ones that I advocate for the most that I think really should be accessible to everybody. And when we kind of think about self-care as inaccessible, I really think about the self-care kind of trends that come up around certain activities that are time-consuming that take up a lot of space, that require special access. And always the first one that comes to mind, and I don't want to demonize this, it's sure. just an example, but the one that comes to mind the most is yoga oh, for yeah. me. <laughs> I remember when I first learned about yoga and I now also add certain like nutrition trends. Right. I always say like shopping at Whole Foods is kind yeah. of what I think of. Yeah. I think about the inaccessibility of those things sometimes. Sure. Sure. Uh, again, I'm dating myself with some of these references, but <laughs> It's like, man, okay, so I'm hearing if you shop at certain places, that's what self-care is. I can't afford that. Right. My pockets are like, Michelle, that's not going to be part of our self-care, you know? Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, how can we make self-care not such a space where we're only talking about very particular marketable practices, but how can we talk to the individual about what their needs are and create practices around that individual, not the other way around? Absolutely. I'm so glad you said that because sometimes, as you mentioned, you know, you think about yoga or shopping at maybe the more expensive grocery stores or getting the massages where self-care has can seem or has a elitist connotation around it. So, so yeah. So being accessible, some of the best self-care activities you cannot buy. There is no exchange in currency or monetary currency for the self-care activities that can benefit us most. Oh yeah, that's exactly it. Absolutely. And even, you know, one, something you said, boundary setting as a form of self-care, that is probably the most free form of self-care out there. So is that a thing that you work with clients about implementing boundaries as a form of their self-care? And if so, what does that look like? Yeah. Boundaries and self-care go hand in hand. I feel like they're in constant relationship with each other. We need our boundaries to help us practice self-care and we need self-care to be uplifted by having boundaries. Right. And I love breaking down a definition. So when I think about boundaries, I think about the limits and expectations that we set in our lives to help ourselves feeling to feel safe and balanced. Sure. And we set boundaries with others, but we also set boundaries in our relationship with ourselves. And so sometimes when we think about self-care, especially for my folks who are like, I never have time, 
Yeah. I'd love to put my investigator hat on. What does that mean? Right. Tell me exactly what you mean when you say, I don't have time for something because you and I are talking right now. How did you make time for this? Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. How did that happen? And give me a layout of your day. Awesome activity to do, especially for folks that are listening and are like, oh my God, Michelle is talking to me. Yes. Okay. (laughs) I want you to start. I want you to actually write down what your day looks like. Mm -hmm. From the moment you wake up and you reach over and grab your phone, Right. That's when your day started. Your day just started right there. Right. Now when your feet hit the floor. Yeah. Yes. That's it. From the moment you wake up to the time that you go to sleep, keep like a notepad handy or use your notes app on your phone and actually write down what you're doing all day. Now, you may feel overwhelmed writing that down, but hey, you are actually living this day that you're writing down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. This is your reality, whether you're cognizant of it or not. Right. The next day, I want you to take a look at what you wrote down. I want you to see, okay, is there anything on my daily agenda that I can either squeeze in five mm-hmm. minutes or can I take something off? Mm-hmm. Is there time spent doing something that isn't urgent, meaning it's not time sensitive, or not important, meaning it doesn't have a lot of value, right? Is there anything I can take off my list to create space for self-care or is there a way I can add self-care in? Again, when we think about self-care and showing up as your best self, sometimes that means doing less. Right. It doesn't mean doing more. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. And it sounds like too, sometimes it's more about priority as opposed to not having time. Where is self-care listed as a priority? Where does it fall in your list of priorities? That Mm -hmm. can make all the difference as well. Yeah. I love to use myself as an example. Yeah. Because I've had to rewrite narratives in my own mind around time and self-care. And I actually had to, I told myself, Michelle, you need to stop saying you don't have time because <laughs> you do, you do if you really look. And so part of my self-care practice for my work week is I literally take my, my what do we call these wonderful things? My planner. Uh-huh. And I literally scribble out time using markers. Yeah, that I cannot schedule anything that has to be time for self-care. And it's a challenge, Autumn. Mm. It's a challenge sometimes to not book that time with something else yeah. or extend that time a little bit to do more emails or fill out more requests. Yes. Right? That's why I love the word practice right. because you want to keep trying. Yeah. Self-care is a practice of a noun and a verb. Yes. Practice setting those boundaries with yourself. What do you really want to be doing to take care of yourself? And a self-care practice I've been working on for a while now is I really want to read more. I want to take a break from all my devices and just spend 20 to 30 minutes reading all of the lovely books that I have collected. Okay. That have just been looking at me wanting some attention. Absolutely. I I hear that. I feel you. Yep. (laughs) Yes. And so I've been trying to do that and it's been challenging. It's been hard, but I'm going to keep trying. Because when I do that self-care practice, it helps me feel proud of myself. It genuinely relaxes me. Mm-hmm. And my intellectual self-care is engaged because I love reading other books, especially from right. Black feminist authors. Right. They, I mean, I just feel like I'm learning wonderful lessons. Yeah. I see the value. I see the value. So I have to create space for it, you know. And again, that takes time. It took time for me to recognize all of that. Absolutely. So for folks listening... I really want to emphasize what Michelle just said. Our self-care guru, Michelle, is saying that 
it is difficult for her sometimes not to fill in that space with something else, with another task, and that she really has to be intentional about practicing self-care. Again, practicing self-care. I say that to say it's not going to come easy to us. It's not going to come easy. It's something that we have to continuously practice because once we do it, we can definitely see the benefits and know that it helps us. So Mm -hmm. try to keep practicing at it so that we can be consistent. Thank you for sharing that, Michelle. I'm sure that makes a lot of folks feel good to know that self-care is not a perfected thing and that we continuously practice at it. Absolutely. So in terms of self-care activities, and you've mentioned some already, and I'll tell you my question and then I'll tell you somewhat of an answer or how, how it might be answered now that you've explained self-care. So the question is, what are some self-care activities? It sounds like the overarching answer could be whatever allows us to show up as our best self. It would be different for everyone. Do you want to yes. expound or add more to that? I would love to, because even when we say that, Autumn, I know somebody's thinking but I need a place to start. Can you help yeah. me with a place to start? I got you. No yeah. problem. There you go. So, there you go. You know it. So <laughs> I will share some of favorites of mine. My number one favorite self-care practice is journaling. Mm. It is the practice that really meets a lot of my self-care needs. And it doesn't take a lot of time. And it helps me in so many different ways. And when I say journaling, y'all, I mean recording your thoughts, your feelings, and reactions. Mm-hmm. That can be using a notebook and a pen. It can be just pausing and kind of meditating with yourself. Mm-hmm. It can be putting on a voice recorder, going yeah. for a walk and talking. Yeah. Nobody needs to know. Absolutely. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> but having a time to just express yourself. It's been so helpful for me to just release what I've been carrying. And it mm-hmm. always helps me feel lighter. So definitely journaling. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say also deep breathing. Yes. Deep breathing is a self-care practice. It is. There are so many of us mental health folks that encourage y'all to deep breathe. Mm-hmm. It's free. It's yes. almost always available. Okay. Yes. If you're alive, <laughs> it's available. And it can help you regulate and feel calmer. It can help you transition. You can use it in a lot of different spaces. Deep breathing is another mm-hmm. wonderful self-care practice. Another one too, and this one's a little bit broad, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Getting some movement. into your daily activities. Now, I'm not going to say like formal exercise and working Mm -hmm. out because that doesn't align with everybody. And again, that's another one of those that feels a little bit like an elitist kind of Mm -hmm. component Mm -hmm. that you have to be working out formally. Right. Here's what I'll say instead. What do you want to do to get your heart rate up? And some of our favorites is going for a walk, right? Or a run if that feels right for you, if that's okay for your body. But also there's dance. Yes. There's stretching, right? Are there any video games that have movement? I mean, mm-hmm. let's make it pleasurable. Right. Whatever you need to do to get your heart rate up, right? It's definitely something you want to try in terms of a self-care practice. Absolutely. And some other ones too, and this one's another broad one, but engage your creativity. A lot of us, especially the folks who are like really busy, there's not space in their daily life for creativity at work. You want to create some creative space create some creative space (laughs) outside of your work. Do you ever create art Mm -hmm. or music? Do you like to sing, right? Do you like to create poetry? How about interior design? Do you just want to rearrange your furniture in your home, right? Or do a really cool accent wall and paint that, right? Do you like to draw, right? Or what about movies? Do you like to be a movie Mm -hmm. critic? Mm-hmm. But something my and some disclosure, something my mm-hmm. husband and I love to do, yeah. we love movies, is we found this little pocket on YouTube mm-hmm. that does like breakdowns of movies. 
And for some reason, we love that. We just think it's so much fun. And it's like, why not? Let's let's look into the ins and outs of of movies and what they're talking about. So engaging your creative side is another really big one that I share. So those are a few self-care practices to really think about that can be really fun. And my website has a ton of ideas. If you're feeling like I need some more ideas, gmichelle.com. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that. And question, I know you said you enjoy journaling. And it's interesting. Some folks are very adverse to journaling. Others love it. It's really, you know, whatever they feel. And if you don't like it, don't do it. If it doesn't work, do something else, of course. How long would you say, like, for your journaling, you know, how many minutes or hours or how long are you spending on this self-care activity? Oh, how often? Yeah. So I actually try and journal daily. So, and I do not do that daily. Okay. (laughs) Most days of the week, I actually like it to be a part of my morning routine, movement, breakfast, journaling. Mm -hmm. That's my morning routine. How long for my daily journaling? About two minutes. Nice. Say that again. Two minutes. You said two Two minutes. Okay. T-W-O. Less than five. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. And I keep it really simple. I'm telling you, I try to practice what I preach. Yeah. Self-care doesn't have to be complicated. Right. I, because of, of the things that I'm working on, yeah. I will give myself a really cool prompt, a simple prompt. Michelle, how are you feeling today? You got to talk to yourself now. Third yeah. person. Michelle, how are you feeling today? How is your body feeling? What do you need today? Yeah. I take one of those prompts. I take just a couple minutes, write down a few of my thoughts, and then I engage in my work. Now, for other times when that's just my daily practice, sure. other times that I journal after my own therapy sessions, I always try and spend some time after me and my therapist have had a session together yeah. to write yeah. down what comes up for me, what I learned about myself. Sure. And journaling has become my emotional coping skill. So mm-hmm. if my body is showing significant signs of stress mm-hmm. or anxiety, I'm like, okay, Michelle, what do you need to release? And that mm-hmm. may take a little bit longer. That sure. may take a little bit longer. But those are the three different ways I journal the most consistently. So journaling is not the same every day. It can be different. And you said two minutes. So it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. a dear diary today. Yes. You know, it doesn't have to be one of those long 1990 <laughs> TV show yeah. journal diaries with the logs and writing these That's journal right. entries, two pages long. You said two minutes and mm-hmm. you just asking yourself with simple prompts, a couple of questions. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. That feels and sounds less intimidating. I think journaling can be intimidating to some because they're like, well, what do I talk about next? Or then what if I had nothing to say? So having prompts is always nice as well. And hearing that it can be two minutes, it can be a check-in and that some days it might be longer if you have more on your heart to journal. So it's really up to you. There's, I'm hearing a lot of throughout this conversation, there is no one way. Mm -hmm. It's all about what works for you, which is free and less intimidating. Yeah. And Autumn, I actually heard you say this, that self-care is a series of trial and error. Everything that you try is not going to work. Let me disclose again. Yeah. I'm not that great at sitting and meditating for a long period of time. Right. Right. It just doesn't work for me. And again, I felt some shame around that because everywhere I would see in terms of self-care trends, meditation, this meditation, that, I've even had some previous therapists recommend meditation to me, Mm -hmm. and it just doesn't work. It's not helpful to me, but that's just me. And I had to really release that self-criticism and perfectionist Mm -hmm. view of that Mm -hmm. from myself and say, well, Michelle, who said it has to work for you? Absolutely. 
you know what? We're, and this is just me, just me. Sure. I'm more spiritual. What works yeah. better for me is praying. Yeah. What works better for me is journaling. Yeah. Right. And sometimes a very short guided meditation that again, mm-hmm. is not a lot of time is less than five minutes is a lot better for me. So I want to give, make sure there's a lot of permission here that yeah. it's okay to try something and it's okay if it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And it's okay if you release the perfectionism around that too. Absolutely. What's more important is what works for you. That's yep. what's most important. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that because also knowing what doesn't work can sometimes be just as important as knowing what does work so that you're not wasting energy, becoming frustrated with trying to do the same thing, knowing it won't work because that is discouraging. Yeah, it's really discouraging. And that's part of the stuckness mm-hmm. that I sometimes will hear. It's, well, I tried to do this. It didn't yeah. work. Now I feel defeated. Let me go back to my old routine. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm like, whoa, instead of that pattern of feeling defeated, what if that practice just wasn't right for you? Yes. Yeah. Right. What if you want to try something else? What mm-hmm. if you want to get refreshed by something else? Mm-hmm. Right. So again, recognizing those patterns is so important. Absolutely. So are there any final self-care tips, thoughts, anything that you want to share with folks about self-care or burnout? Yeah. One, if there's anything folks will take away from our incredible conversation today is start really small. Yes. Like start small and then start smaller than that. Yeah. When it comes to building your practice, what really helps kind of ease our sense of overwhelm is feeling accomplished mm-hmm. and celebrating those accomplishments. So if you've heard our conversation and you're like, okay, I just want to notice when my body is feeling stressed, mm-hmm. try to do that once a day. If not once a day, five times a week, right? Mm -hmm. Just start there, noticing that, building that skill. Once you've built that skill and you feel comfortable enough with it, right, that it comes to you naturally, then add to that. This process takes a little bit longer, but you will see more long-term progress and support when you take your self-care practice quite literally one step at a time. Nice. Wonderful advice. Start small. If you think you're starting small, start smaller, because ultimately we want small successes, which build confidence and allow us to continue and keep at it. Perfect. Michelle, this conversation has been amazing. Thank you for shedding light on self-care. Again, I think you said it perfectly. Self-care is definitely trending and trending so much that we've maybe lost focus of what it actually means. So you just really gave it some context, gave it a nice definition that is not intimidating and it feels accessible for everyone. It's not for the elite, the educated, the this or that. It is for everyone and anyone can do it, which feels great and like something we all may want to go and try to partake in. So thank you so much for that, Michelle. You know, I could talk to you all day because you are just, yes, you just have a a light within and around you. I could talk to you all day. So I, Yes, and I want you to share with everyone where they can find you or connect with you. Let everyone know. Yeah, again, Autumn, the feelings are so mutual. And thank you so much for having me on your incredible podcast here. Folks are welcome to connect with me at The G Michelle with two L's. I'm on Instagram, Pinterest, and Twitter. Please visit my website where so much of what we talked about today, I have it in different blog articles. I have step-by-step ways on setting boundaries, managing burnout, managing stress. So feel free to check that out. It's free 99. 
<laughs> and it's at jmichelle.com. Sign up for my newsletter because I have some wonderful things coming up that I can't wait to share with you guys. If you really want to get started with self-care in the journaling way, but you're not sure where to start, feel free to check out my guided journal called Self-Explore, Self-Restore. It's on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. It makes a wonderful gift as well. If you know somebody who needs to listen to this podcast and needs some support with their self-care. Thank you so much for that. Yes, having prompts for journaling can be so helpful. So I'm really glad that resource is out there. Thank you so much, Michelle, for the work you are doing. Thank you for just being a wonderful asset to the field we work in. And I appreciate your time here on the couch. Absolutely. Thanks, Otto. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Lady and the Couch. Feel free to share this episode with your friends on all of your social media platforms. If you are in the Atlanta area and seeking therapy, visit ladyandthecouch.com to learn more. Like what you heard? Feel free to give us a five-star review where you listen to podcasts. The content in this episode is not intended to diagnose or treat. It is for informational purposes only. 